time. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Commit liftoff. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes sitting alongside my partner in crime, Doug McCary, on this uh, absolutely glorious Tuesday afternoon. It is uh, January 17th. And uh, Doug, good to see you, brother. January 17th. Right? Where did where where did january go we're halfway through the month now wait a minute we still got a lot of time left in january we get a lot done in in the well, next two weeks. Uh, you right. know two weeks that's right but uh by the way i wanted to real quick just mention this and i'll bring this back up and i meant i meant to bring it up yesterday uh i had brian doyle as my guest in here on on friday this past friday and uh, I just wanted to mention. <laughs> I'm flapping this thing. It's got, it's got, it's got Brian Doyle on it, and it's uh, got. Uh, but Brad, it doesn't have your picture on it. Well, that's a good. It's got thing. your name if on my, the back. If of, my picture was on here, I, I think people probably wouldn't show up. Uh, listen, Saturday, February 25th, um, from 8:30 to 4:55 at Mandarin Presbyterian Church. 2501 Loretta Road, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, in fact, we may have James put this up um, on our Facebook page. So anyway, uh, there is a Iron Sharpens Iron National Men's Equipping Conference going on that day. Again, that is Saturday, February 25th, and uh, we'd love to have you there. So, yes, uh, we Doug, would. you have been a main speaker at that at their conferences. In fact, you and I, you remember going up to where did we, we go? went to Syracuse, Syracuse. Syracuse. I, I was going to say Sarasota. No, we didn't go to Sarasota. No, we went Syracuse. North. Yeah. We went up to Syracuse. It was snowing in like uh-huh. October or something. I it forgot was, about that. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time though. But anyway, if you want more information about that particular conference, I am going to be sharing a, at that conference, um, go to iron sharpens net and register online there. And it's going to be a great conference. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we we are uh, excited about that. I I listened to that interview with you and uh, and Brian. Brian's such a a good brother. He's been doing it for a long time. He and Bob Grumman started that whole deal. Man. Yeah, yeah. Bobby G. Bobby man. G. Bobby G. He is one excited dude, isn't he? He's Love like, hanging out with that boy. Yeah, he's good. And so, uh, yeah. But I enjoyed hearing you and Brian go back and forth. You know, he's walked through a lot too over the past few years with the loss of his wife. And and uh, I was talking to a guy today, Brad, before we uh, uh, a, a guy who's kind of been a Timothy uh, for me that is, is walking through some pretty tough stuff right now. And you know, he he had this great perspective. Oh, he said, you know no suffering is ever wasted. Like when God takes you through this stuff, it deepens you so that he can usually greater. He said, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like Joseph a little bit. That's the perspective I have, which is a great perspective to have. It really is. I I had the privilege, by by the way, just shout out to the Skinner family uh, that invited me to come over and share with the, their FCA group uh, this morning so I missed Chip our West. Skinner? I missed our West Side study, and I did uh, Chip and Jennifer Skinner's yeah. study. That they, you know, I asked Chip this morning before I got started how long they've been doing that. Nineteen ninety six. 
Woo, they started okay. that study. And these kids from mainly the Bowles School uh, that come for that study, and it was so encouraging. I mean, you talk about they they put out a spread of food for these kids, and they show up at 7. Uh, we usually get started, you know, 7.20, 7.30, and just give a brief message. But interesting, you brought that up. I, I spoke this morning out of James 1, verse 2 through 4. Mm. Where James says, consider it pure joy, my brethren and sisters, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. Hmm. You know, so oftentimes, and I was sharing with these kids this morning, you know, you cut me off in the freeway. Uh, there's not a lot of joy. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not rejoicing. And yet, it's a good reminder that we... When, when we are experiencing hardship, difficult times, trials, tests, then our mind needs to be renewed that God is in control. Mm -hmm. uh, he is allowing those things to come into your life for the purpose of transformation, to transform you and I into the image of Christ. Mm. And I've said it many times. I know you would testify to this, that what what is God going to use to transform you? What's he going to use to make you look more like Christ? Uh, it's probably not going to be the promotion that you think or the the uh, winning that game or whatever it might be. It's mm. usually some, some tough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's As we go through these kind of tough things, and by the way, I don't know if you uh, have been watching. Have you been watching what's been going on out in California? Uh, well, it depends. Uh, I was just – Well, I'm talking about the natural stuff. All no, the, uh, no, I really haven't other than I know they've had some – really bad storm oh yeah there. so since december 30th so we're only talking 18 days a little over two two and a half weeks they have had 400 landslides now think about that 400 landslides um they've had the all this flooding going on um uh, it, it is it is it is a mess out there and you know anytime you are going through difficult onslaughts like that like things that are going almost like the waves you know just hitting mm -hmm. you hitting you hitting you hitting mm -hmm. you you start to wonder is this is this god's judgment on us you know people are even asking is california under god's judgment well i i personally think that uh, if we if we're under judgment what are some indicators let's look at the bible well what does romans one say uh, god turns us over to those lustful homosexual passions, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say that when the United States of America codifies a homosexuality and protects it under div, uh, under the law of the land, uh, I, I would say that's a sign that we've suppressed the knowledge of God. And He said, "Okay, you want this, you got it." And and to me, there's there's worse things than having a landslide or a flood hit your home. Um, you know, the, the, just like when Jesus, you remember when Jesus was asked, and I think it was Luke 13, I was reading this cause I'm going to share a part of it, uh, in the lesson this week, you know, he says, unless you repent, worse is going to happen to you mm. because there's something much worse than the physical death you can experience. And it's the eternal separation mm. from a holy and loving God who has offered out to you eternal peace with him 
through his son, Jesus, and to reject that, which a lot of people do. A lot of people want a caricature of Jesus. They want a Jesus they control. You can't control him. Like C.S. Lewis says, he's not, uh, he's, he, he is not safe. You know, That's he, right. he's not safe. <clears throat> That's right. You, you follow Jesus. He is not safe. Your life uh, following him, and we're gonna we're seeing that with the Apostle Paul. How many times was he beaten? How many times was he uh, suffering? All these things happening. And my friend I was talking to earlier was talking about that, and he just said, uh, "I feel like Joseph. Look at Joseph. Joseph appeared to do all things right, and yet God allowed him to be in prison. And we're not talking about prisons here in America. We're mm. talking about in Egypt a long time right. ago." And God used it to hone, to sharpen and train, uh, train him to not be so much concerned about the exterior, which, boy, we are consumed with the exterior, <clears throat> yep. but to to be on the inside what he needs to be. And really, this mm-hmm. week at SWAT, that's what we're looking at. Paul's swan song, uh, I, it's fascinating to me. If you, if you just Google the words... Uh, you know, um, uh, finishing well in the Bible, almost everybody will go to Acts 20. They'll go, that's the, their passage. But you really see this as Paul going to these young people and saying, guys, I've poured into you. Now it's your turn. I've poured into you. It's your turn. Paul did the things he did, not because he read a church growth manual. He did it because he was who God wanted him to be. God had to break him. He had yep. to blind him for three days and mm-hmm. took him through a whole bunch of stuff. And there were some things that Paul never got rid of. But he was who God wanted him to be. And you see that in Paul as he's talking to these young disciples and these Ephesian elders. And, you know, it's I, I just think our world, Brad, it's so hard for us to even imagine that kind of consistency with God. Yeah. Well, and Brian and I were talking about that on Friday, just how how Paul takes him to the Hall of Tyrannus and spends two years every day with these guys. Mm-hmm. That's intentionality, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we need that. We need strong, mature men and women, men to be discipling men and women to be discipling women. This is not solely the responsibility of, of church staff Mm -hmm. and i think that's been very uh confusing over the years doug as as we've seen this rise in what you and i call celebrity pastors Uh Um, you know hey he's amazing he's this he's that therefore i don't have to share the gospel or therefore i don't have to disciple and that's absolutely wrong Mm-hmm. We need to go make disciples. And here Paul, toward the end of his life, is running as fast as he ever has. Mm-hmm. You know, with the same aggression he had prior to Christ, prior to the Damascus Road, he's got that same energy for Christ, and we need that. Well, you know, I, I uh, Jim Dennison said that uh, he didn't believe the California landslides and rain and all the things happening out there are God's judgment. Um You know, I don't know that you can say that God may not be bringing things to get their attention, 
you know, they they had this national billboard saying, hey, if you need an abortion, come to California. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Uh, They require elementary kids to be taught LGBTQ. They made euthanasia easier. So there's a lot of things that are going on there that God may be saying, hey, I'm trying to get your attention, uh, you know. Yeah, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Yeah. Glad you joined us here at SWAT Radio. If you want to call in this afternoon, we are a live broadcast. We'd love to hear from you, 844-777-7928. You can also email us at ask at SWATradio.com. We would love to uh, correspond with you. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed for the good Lord. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes, Doug McCary this Tuesday afternoon and we're glad you you've tuned in today. We're going to be in Acts chapter twenty, verses one through twelve this week. And uh, if you missed yesterday, go back and listen. You definitely want to catch it. Talking about the the that God shows His love by calling us to encourage and guide younger disciples to pass on His truth to the next generation. We were just talking about that going into the break. Just how important it is that. Uh, we are investing, that we are investing into the next generation. Brian Doyle, I thought, just made a great point of this on Friday. Just where, where is that next generation? Mm-hmm. You know, it may be in your own home. In fact, more than likely it is. Uh, that sphere of people that God has placed in your path and how important it is that you engage, you equip, and you encourage there. Well, every man who is listening you you are the priest of your home every man and you know we have a responsibility to shepherd and shepherd with the word of god you feed the flock a shepherd's Mm -hmm. responsibility is to feed the flock to provide protection for them but to feed them and what do we feed our flock we feed them 
the only source of truth that really matters. Uh, you know, the the Bible has been uh, minimized. It's been uh, like people make fun of it. It's it's called uh, antiquated or, you know, um, patriarchal, all the names uh, that people have used to try to dismiss it as a source of truth. But it has withstood the test of time. And when Paul talks about, uh, when he wrote Timothy, who was one of the seven we talked about yesterday, Timothy, it appears, had a very special place in Paul's life as a as a young disciple. Like, do you see Paul leaving him at Ephesus to be the guy who kind of helped run that? He he wrote him in second, first and second Timothy, really encouraging him. Some of the words there, very father like to him. But he talks to him a lot about being bold, about being bold with the word. And and we have a responsibility, men, if you're listening. And it's it's just really difficult. It, it, just because you are bold with the word doesn't mean that your children are going to turn out uh, and really love it the way you do. But that's between them and God. Right. What's between you and God is are you going to faithfully model a love for God and faithfully instruct in the word of God. That's, that's what we're called to do. And you know, your, your kid may have a 400 batting average. He may strike out twice, but if he doesn't know God, that doesn't mean anything. Mm. He may can run a four two forty, and he may be the, the next Trevor Lawrence, but if he doesn't know Jesus, it means nothing in the long term. And so as a father, we've got to reestablish those spiritual priorities with training our children and training them. And and if listen, if you're out there and you go, well, I don't have any kids, uh, I'm not even married. <clears throat> well, you're not relieved of a responsibility as a kingdom priest yeah. to build into young people, younger people in the faith, and not necessarily younger than you chronologically brad there's been times that i've had the opportunity to speak into men who are chronologically older and i you do it with respect sure but still they they have not been exposed to the feeding that you and i have been fed to god's word by uh, by shepherds in our life and so the this idea of encouraging and guiding younger disciples to pass on the truth is something that we all are called to and men are women. Men, yeah. Women, too. Women yeah. train up uh, younger as well. Well, so. I know it seems like last year we did, uh, I think we did a survey, and this was just in, in the SWAT studies that were going on. Uh, I think the question was asked, how many of you have had uh, dis- had been discipled? And I'm not talking about you, you go to a Sunday school class. That's great. Um, I'm talking about like one-on-one, maybe one-on-two intentional discipleship. And uh, it's, it's it's a bit shocking when you realize how few men have ever really been discipled. Yeah, I would even say one-on-three would probably be the largest. Um, but when you're in that small of a group, and in fact, if you look at Jesus, he broke his guys up into threes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Peter, James, and John, you know, and then you just go through, there were four groups of three, and um, so you see a model. In fact, Robert Coleman wrote a book called Master Plan of Evangelism, and he talks about that, that the way the master did it. 
Um, but there's something that happens when you get in that smaller group dynamic that's hard to emulate in a, a group larger mm-hmm. than three. Yeah. You, because people just get a little <laughs> more hesitant to share openly, uh, honestly, and transparently. So um, you're, you're exactly right. And I know you spend a lot of time with guys, meeting with them. And it's important that we do that. But it also is important, too, to come together as these larger groups and encourage mm-hmm. one another. In fact, that's really our idea today that we're looking at from uh, verses 7 and 8 is that, you know, God shows his love to the church by really commanding us to come together. I mean, we we are told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Mm-hmm. And that was the pattern of the first church. And yet I'm amazed at the number of people, Brad, who come to church and they think it's all about getting the information from the guy mm. up front. Yeah, That's what it's about. That yeah. is not the model of the first century church. Mm. The first century church model was that people came together in community, which means there's engagement. There's not just coming to one way, get information. It mm-hmm. was a two way thing. And uh, it was always, we're going to look at some of these ideas, but the bottom line is that's God's love for his church by calling us to engage and gather regularly for instruction, for fellowship, and to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and our purpose. And so if you go to church on Sunday and you only get one way well, information, I, I, that's hard for you to really call that instruction I mean, I'm not saying that you can't get instructed that way, but if you're like me or Brad, you get questions. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. You just say, oh, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. that instruction is when you're able to get teaching and you're able to go up and say, hey, I don't get this. Yeah. And that's instruction, <clears throat> you know? Well, I think the, you know, uh, uh, you're either a spectator or you're a servant. A servant serves. We don't go to church just to be filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are there to be equipped and to be encouraged, but we may be the equipping. We we may be the ones encouraging. And the the whole COVID thing, as you and I have talked about in the past, boy, people just stopped going to church. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing, you know, now almost two years past kind of, Having the freedom, of course, in Florida, we really didn't stop for very long. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who still aren't going to church. Well, here's what's interesting. But, it, well, and I think some of that is, and, and we were talking about yesterday before the broadcast about technology and being able to get even our messages. Here we are broadcasting on the radio, I'm YouTube, Facebook, all this kind of stuff. But again, it doesn't neglect our responsibility to come together. Yeah, and and we're going to see in the text how they did it. I mean, what are some principles for church gatherings? And some of these, Brad, we've kind of we've kind of diminished a little bit mm-hmm. because we we've we've accommodated our culture more than standing out in the culture. And uh, I, I think it might rub some people a little bit, some of these things that we see as principles here. But I think we need to visit them a little bit because 
who pushes back against some of this stuff, really? We just, uh, the culture kind of has had much more of an influence on the church than the church on the culture. No doubt. No doubt. So why don't you read verses seven and eight? And we're going to look at this idea of Paul as he's winding down his ministry, building in to these seven disciples. He's in Troas, and he's got seven guys with him from his different journeys, and he's got a meeting going on where he's teaching, and verses 7 and 8 gives us some instruction about church gatherings there. Yeah, verse 7, on the first day of the week when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. All right, you may stop there. Uh, yeah, just seven, seven and eight. Yep, yep that's yep. it. Uh, it's not a lot there word-wise, but, boy, there's a lot there uh, just to observe. And that's one thing, you know, I remember um, Dr. Howard Hendricks uh, used to teach a Sunday school class in uh, Texas, and he wrote a book called uh, Living by the Book. Yep. It's a study book, and he talks about observing what's in Scripture, interpreting what's in Scripture, and then applying. And a lot of times we don't observe very closely. We we do a general sweep over but these two verses have a lot that we really need to work through. And so I know we only got a couple of minutes for our break, but here's just one thing to think about. What is the first thing that you read in verse 7? Well, it was the first day of the week. Yes. That's, that's the... Yeah. They gathered on the first day of the week. Now, the first day of the week is Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, the way we view our work week in America is the first day of the week is Monday because our calendars are dictated by the economy. The calendar of God's people then was dictated by the resurrection and the hope of Jesus and starting their week off with rest. So when we come back, we're going to kind of delve into that a little bit. And and I hope that maybe you'll be challenged a little bit in your view of even while we gather together Mm. on a Sunday. That's good. Hey, we're glad you joined us. Uh, We're going to take a break for national news. Again, if you want to call in this afternoon, we would love to hear from you. 844-777-7928. You can also email us at ask at swatradio.com. That's A-S-K at swatradio.com. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. We're glad you tuned in this afternoon. If you happen to discover us today and you're wondering, what is SWAT Radio? 
SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. Our mission is to equip and encourage men in the Word of God to, to not just know it, but to live it. And uh, if you want to get more information, go to SWATradio.com, SWATradio.com. Uh, we are a live broadcast. You are welcome, and we would love to have you call in, 844-777-7928. As Doug and I are talking about, uh, really, Paul finishing up his third journey, and you see the intentionality here in Chapter 20 where Paul is he is pouring into this next generation. Mm-hmm. And in verses 7 and 8 of Chapter 20, which I just read, we're going to look at what what really goes on in the gathering together, you know, and I think uh, you, you kind of touched on it right there as we took that break about it being the first day of the week. Well, it, yeah, the the word the the word, um, um, well, the word gives us the first day of the week, but this day was called the Lord's Day. If you if you look in Revelation one ten, um, John referred to it as the lord's day that was the gathering the gathering would get the people got together on the first day of the week because uh that was the day that jesus rose from the dead right Mm -hmm. and so um that that the the church was born on the first day of the week when the spirit came at pentecost uh and so the early years of the church um you know they the the believers the jewish messianic believers people who believed jesus was messiah they gathered on the first day of the week mm-hmm. and this is an example here at troas and if you think back brad to the old creation the pattern was god worked for 6 days then he rested in the new creation God rested when on the first day of the week when he was resurrected Mm -hmm. that brings rest to us and that's why I was so struck by this idea that when we think of our week we think of Monday as the first day of the week because we think from an economic working standpoint yeah yeah but what if we started thinking the first day of the week was a Sunday and you go that's ridiculous no really stop and think about it if you change your mindset i start my week off in the body of christ surrounded by encouragers to remind myself why do we come together well we see in this text things they did but by the way just to give the principles i'm going to lay them out and then we can talk about them the first one is that Christians should gather regularly and be part of a community. That's not a given anymore. There's a lot of people out there who think, well, I don't have to be part of a church. Even people say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't worship in a church. Well, you're violating God's word in doing that. God commands us to be, and the church is not necessarily a building with a structure, but it's a regular gathering Mm -hmm. of believers where the word is taught, people are baptized, and they celebrate communion. That's right. And so, and there are things that should be a part of that. It should be elder ruled. We're going to look at that this week at SWAT. But the first thing is Christians should gather. Hebrews 10, 24. I read that. Uh, it, it, uh, I talked about it. I quoted it earlier. 
Let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet with uh, meet together as is the habit of some. So it was a problem even then mm-hmm. that so much so that the writer to Hebrews brought it up, but instead encourage each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that's the first principle we gather regularly. Second is it's the first day of the week. Like you read here in acts also over in first Corinthians 16 two, the first day of the week, isn't the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath was, the Shabbat was for them Friday night through Saturday night. Correct. And when he came, he came that we might have rest in him. And so it, it was a remembrance of coming together. And and so we see Paul, he says, hey, when I come to you, make sure you're gathering money on the on the first day of the week when you meet. So that indicated they met then. And I, just one more comment about that. As we, over the years in America, listen, did you know of any church when you were growing up and you were, let's say, in elementary school or even middle school, maybe even high school, that met on any day other than Sunday? No. I didn't know. There, there, there was no churches that met for corporate worship where the word was taught. They had a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And a, and a Sunday night gathering, but they they met Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then pretty soon, when it started going to, well, we're going to have a Saturday night service, then a, uh, we're going to have a Friday night, Saturday night service, now Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night service. And people had other services and go, well, we're, you know, we, we don't have room for everybody. Well, that's why you church plant. That's why you build places in other places mm-hmm. so people can gather. Because the, the one issue I see, and, and every pastor <laughs> that pastors those mega churches talks about it, they have no ability to shepherd those people directly. And yet those very people look at those people as their shepherd. And, and it's sad, and it's it's a place we've come to now, and I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest with you, because it's affected the way we view church, because church, like you were relaying earlier, comes more about the person giving the message than the message that's given. Mm-hmm. It's more about the, the, the servant, and Paul would have absolutely just—listen, Paul spoke to big crowds, but— but Paul went house to house. He he had a burden that it not be about Paul. He says, some of you say Paul, some say Apollos. This is not a guy building his own following. This is a guy that wanted to teach the word. And so Christians should gather regularly. The first day of the week, is. it seems like that was the pattern. We've gotten away from that. Um, but the other thing is it says what? They came together, and what what did they do? They break bread together. Mm-hmm. They it, they had these love feasts. They were called the agape love feast. And what it was is people that had money or resources would bring food enough to share with people that didn't. And so there was this community feel there that, you know what? I don't have as much as you, but thank you for sharing and gratitude uh, the other person, you know what? I've been blessed with this, and I want to share with you. And there was this community there 
that is lacking in our churches as well today. So it wasn't just the communion elements. It wasn't just the elements. No. It, it was a meal. No, they yeah. they celebrated communion right. after right. the meal. Right. But, and it goes back, you remember in Acts 2.42, right after the Holy Spirit came, you had all these people that repented, right? Right. And all these people were from outside of Jerusalem. They didn't have no food. They didn't have no place to really, they did not plan on being there that long. But they didn't want to leave because they wanted to hear more about this Jesus. And so it says they broke bread together. They shared with them. Everybody, nobody was in need. Mm-hmm. And so um, now First Corinthians 11 lays out how the Corinthian church kind of started to pervert that. The people that were blessed with resources started saying, you know what, I think we're going to enjoy all this ourselves tonight. And you can just hear how it might have started, right? Hey, you know what? Uh, man, we didn't bring enough for everybody, and I really want to eat my stuff, you know? <laughs> and 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 Paul rebukes him, and he says, some of you people are getting sick and dying because you're being stingy, you're not sharing, and then you want to celebrate communion, and you really don't aren't in a right state with the Lord. Your heart is has really been disobedient, and you have unrepentant sin. And he addresses that in 1 Corinthians 11. In fact, let me read what he says. He says, in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. In other words, Paul is saying a lot of times there's going to be divisions to surface who's really his. Hmm. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry while another gets drunk. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? In other words, he's saying when you come together here and you're eating and you see a brother over there that doesn't have the mm. food in your body, you better be sharing with that brother. Yeah. Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you? No, I will not. And then he says, I delivered from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. And he goes through the communion thing, and he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death. Who therefore eats it and drinks it in an unworthy manner is guilty concerning the body and blood of Christ. Let a person examine himself. So Paul is saying, Yes, celebrate, but you better be celebrating communion with the right heart. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing that. These love feasts that you're supposed to be have an attitude of sharing. And this is what I'm saying about our culture. When we come in, the whole purpose of communion is to remind us of his death and resurrection and for us to be thankful and joyful and that we are nourished in him, not necessarily in the food we eat. And, boy, they they blew that. They blew that. And and the last thing I, I want to say, Brad, from seven real quick, is uh, he prolonged his speech. <laughs> and there were many lamps. That means everyone was involved. 
Um, there was no formal building. And what was he speaking about? Well, just for a minute when we come back, I, I want to share what he might have been teaching because God's Word was taught. That is the last principle of these church gatherings. They gather first day of the week, communion, and God's Word is taught. That's what ought to be happening. Yeah, well said. When we come back from the break, Doug and I will take your calls. The number to call is 844-777-7928, 844-777-SWAT. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. You know Brad Sykes as the co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida and are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate. The Guardian Group, with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards, 904-580-7255. And online at guardiangroupjacks.com. The Guardian Group, happy to bring you SWAT Radio on the truth. Good afternoon. Uh, Welcome back to SWAT Radio. Uh, For those who are new to SWAT, again, SWAT is a teaching ministry that seeks to equip and encourage men in their daily walk with Christ. This broadcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you, corporate sponsors who support clear and unashamed teaching and discussion of God's Word. If you're interested in learning more about SWAT Radio or one of the many SWAT Bible studies for men, go to SWATradio.com. Click on the meetings tab. We'd love to have you join us in person. In fact, uh, we start back, uh, well, not start back, but we have our first study of the week tomorrow. Um, you got a study at Ponte Vedra, yep, Ponte Vedra at, Beach. Yeah, out at uh, Woody's Barbecue, 6.30 a.m. here at the Salem Center at noon. Tomorrow's Jersey Mike's Day. And then on Thursday morning, uh, they are meeting at uh, Belfort Road at the Wounded Warrior Building over there at uh, restaurant that is 
not yet open air, but it's coming. Yeah, and then you do. I was thinking about all the people who tune in uh, in Virginia Beach and Mississippi and Texas and various places around the country. Uh, you can you can actually come to a SWAT Bible study by getting on a Zoom study. Yes, which you're doing on Thursday on Thursday night. night. If you want to join that, you can send me a uh, email to Doug at SWATradio.com. And you know, Brad, we were talking in the break, and I do want to say something. Because it, it, it did sound like I'm, I'm kind of picking on larger churches. I don't really – it can be a small church. It doesn't matter the size. The point I was trying to make is, listen, back then, these believers, they, they had to work every day. We're talking about people in Troas, people in Philippi, Corinth. These were pagan cultures. They didn't take Shabbat off mm-hmm. there. And so – the church would meet usually in the evening on the first day of the week because these people had to work. And some of the believers probably were slaves. I mean, they were servants yeah. in households. And so yeah. they couldn't come until their daily chores were done. Their work was done around the house. Um, and so, but they would come together on this first day of the week. And when they came together, when they walked through those doors, they were all one. They were the same. Master, slave, and we know that from Paul's letter mm-hmm. when he wrote, uh, you know, they, they came together as one and they would share that love feast meal. And by sharing and eating together, uh, they kind of had this fellowship. Listen, a slave could actually be eating at the same table with their master. That would be unheard of outside right. of there. So it was very different. And most likely they enjoyed the Lord's uh, Supper every week. Like they would do this every week. In fact, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people in their homes at the end of a meal would have communion. The the fathers would lead their family in communion. There's this idea out there that you have to be a ordained pastor (laughs) or priest to be able to lead communion. No, you can lead your family in communion. Jesus said, what? Do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say you had to have a, a certificate on the wall, or he just said, "Do this in remembrance of me." Well, you've probably heard me share this, and uh, this was many years ago, probably well, let's see, probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Our good friend Howdy Russell and I went out, went back to my hometown of Houston to go spend a weekend with Vody Bauckham mm-hmm. and uh, and to visit his church and to see what they were doing. And it's uh, Grace Family Baptist Church. Now, mm-hmm. Vody is over in, in, uh, in uh, where is he? He's in South Africa somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that church that they planted there, they w- when Howdy and I showed up, all of a sudden people started coming through the door with crock pots and pans of food. And, all, and it just they had a little kitchen there, and that kitchen just got full of all this food. Mm-hmm. People are plugging in their crock pots. And uh, Howdy and I are like, what is going on here? And uh, we quickly discovered that after the service, they would break down all the ch- – they'd get all the chairs and, and they'd they bring together. out tables and they would have lunch together, the whole church. That's what John Monger did at his church. It's, it was amazing. And to your point about uh, communion, one of the things they did, and, of course, Paul gives great instructions regarding this, is when it came t- time for communion, the fathers – gave communion to the family yeah which is a a good thing to do absolutely it was beautiful because we know that before we take the cup and the bread we're to confess sin 
Yeah. And it was honestly, Doug's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Yeah. Because Doug, uh, Howdy and I were there by ourselves. Our wives weren't with us. And so Howdy went with one family. I went with another family, sat with their family. And uh, this one family that I sat with, I think they had five or six kids. And it was incredible where the, the father would lead his family in communion. Mm-hmm. He would begin by confessing sin mm-hmm. and, and seeking forgiveness mm-hmm. from anybody he might have offended. So he kind of led the way. So back to this idea of us leading. And boy, just as sure as he spoke up, his wife spoke up, then each of the children spoke up. And it was sweet because these were small kids. But well, they were saying, hey, I, I said something mean to you the other day, and I want to apologize. It was well, incredible. Well, when, we, when, I, when I went to church, we had Wednesday night dinner. And we would mm-hmm. all come together and eat. And you saw people from the church. You got to know people from the church gathering you know and i we just lost a lot of that today yeah and and so paul makes that clear that was a part of the church gathering but the last thing and i said this before we went to break is god's word is taught you know in first timothy 4 paul tells timothy until i come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture and to exhortation and to teaching and so he instructs Timothy, hey, make sure this is a part of, of the meeting. And over in Colossians 4, when he's writing the Colossian church, he says, when this letter has been read among you, share it. Take mm. it and let the church of Laodicea uh, read it and see that you read the letter I wrote them. Mm. And now Paul's letter to the Colossians is part of our Bible. It's It was one of those letters that the Holy Spirit made a part of our completed text and in second timothy 4 2 paul says to preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching so giving attention to the word of god is something that has to be part and you would think that would be a given a like a duh kind of moment right with the church but brad there are more and more churches around the country and the world that they'll give a verse, but then they don't explain it. I mean, that's why I teach expositorily at SWAT because the whole idea, my responsibility and the stewardship God has given me. It's another thing we're talking about this week is to explain the word as best I can. Cause my opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I want to, grasp and understand the meaning of what the text says in its original intent from the original writer to the original audience and then extrapolate from that what principle is there or what command is there or what responsibility is there for me Mm -hmm. and a lot of my teaching is just sharing what i've learned with the guys yeah. because I feel a responsibility to feed those guys that come each week. Well, and when you put it, <clears throat> when you deliver that in that way, it takes time. Yeah. I mean, it's not a quick message. I don't care whether it's, you know, I, I, I taught out of three verses today to high school kids. It took me 30 minutes, three verses, you know, because you want to put it in context. Mm-hmm. You want to deliver it. Uh, well, I mean, we're told to accurately divide it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna try to do thirteen through the end of the chapter, 
And and I, I started looking at it. I'm going, there's so much here. So oh. now I'm only doing nine verses, which I still feel like I could probably subdivide that and take three three verses really a week. That's like putting a 24-ounce sirloin on your plate and saying you got five minutes I, to I know, knock that one down. Because, <laughs> but remember what the key verse for chapter 20 is. The word of the Lord increased. It doesn't say the personality of the pastor. Right. It doesn't say how good he is. It says the word of the Lord increased and prevailed. And so our responsibility as priests, and by the way, if you're listening out there and you're a believer, you're a priest or a priestess. Okay, you you can't say, well, I'm not a pastor, so I don't have that responsibility. No, you are a priest or priestess. And we all have different stewardships. God has brought into our path people who are um, a little less further along down the path, maybe spiritually than you are. And those are the people that we need to be teaching and helping because there is a lot of misinformation out in the world today about the Bible. There's a lot like the first day of the week thing. Like there's a whole denomination, uh, the seventh day Adventist. They, they still keep Shabbat. They keep, they keep Sabbath on Saturday, and and that's a but. But do you know they were founded by a false teacher? Yeah. If you and and their their whole group was founded by um, or really heavily influenced by a lady who was heavily influenced by a guy who said Jesus is coming back this day, and and then it didn't come that day, and he said another day. Now think about it. If your whole denomination is founded on a false teacher you might want to re-examine where you're going are they teaching the bible accurately right right right. well i think it is interesting we're i can't believe we're already done but where it talks about that he intended to depart the next day and he prolonged his speech until midnight how many how many worship service you've been to that went till midnight (laughs) yeah how about well that would have been about six hours how many times have you been in a three-hour worship (laughs) service Hey, join us tomorrow. We'll kind of dig into that topic a little bit tomorrow. We're glad you joined us. SWATradio.com. Go to SWATradio.com. Check out the meetings, damn it. Join us at SWAT uh, Bible Study tomorrow. Yeah, I'd love to see you all there. 6.30 a.m. at Woody's and 12 noon here at the Salem Center. Take care, Douglas. See you. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual